Well, after a solid bull trend since early January, are we seeing the tech trade starting to deflate? We see concerns around coordinated rate hikes resurface as we see bond yields, both on a nominal and a real basis, starting to move higher again. And gold is starting to look a little bit dicey. The tides of change could be upon us. We need to be prepared. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi, I'm Chris, the Poet Weston. <laughs> I thought I'd mix it up a little bit in the synopsis. We'll see what happens there. I'm going to bring, bring Mr. Blake Morrow into the program. Mr. Blake Morrow, how goes it there? I'm just thinking winds of change or sea of change. I wanted to go. I wanted to go a bit longer, to be honest, but then I had to stop and I just couldn't think of any more, to be honest. So my my poetry seems to be leaving me. But uh, yeah, how's trading going for you at the moment? You know, it's choppy. It, it, it's choppy. Uh, it's it's directional. Um, it's, you know, very little volatility. But I think that's going to change with this sea of change that we have coming on, don't we, Chris? It'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice, wouldn't it, if we could see a little bit more coming through. And, you know, like for us FX heads out there and also index traders, I think, you know, if we do see interest rate volatility start picking up, there's no doubt in my mind that will spill over into into our sort of core asset classes that we change. A bit of movement, a bit of trend, a bit of a bit of sort of range expansion. Never hurt no hurt never hurt no one. So uh, it'd be nice if we saw that pick up. <laughs> anyway, I reckon let's go straight into topical thunder and see what the factors are that, that could cause this potential volatility. Let's go into topical thunder. Well, I hit it straight uh, straight out the bark. Well, let's go straight into the rates market there because. Yeah, a couple of days ago, well, we've seen recently the the RBA surprising once again um, with with a rate hike and and guiding to more. Uh, we've got I think about ten basis points being priced in for the July meeting, so you know that's a live meeting in the market's eyes. Although we have a a raft of data that we still need to sort of get um, before we get that that July meeting hike. Well, obviously, we saw the Bank of Canada coming out last night. I think eight of thirty seven um, economists were calling for that twenty five basis point hike. So you know it was out of consensus, although. The swaps market was pricing about forty percent, um, but yeah, again they they've kind of guided to to more um, and said that that yeah that their their um, you know inflation may be outside of the target for some time uh, and meaningfully above that level. So the the concern now is that that of these kind of pause central banks are, are, are renewing hikes, perhaps it could be somewhat coordinated and, and perhaps we could see other central banks looking to be more aggressive as well. Um, so we have seen bond yields moving up and then that's deflated the tech trade, big selling through in the NASDAQ, yeah, big bearish outside day reversal, which we'll come to, put a switching back into sort of banks and um, certainly regional banks as well. Um, but yeah, we, we, are we concerned, Blake, here that we're going to see renewed tightening playing through um, in, in markets and, and that's going to cause gyrations in risk assets? You know, I was wondering today after the Bank of Canada surprised with the interest rate hike that, that it might weigh on equity markets. I don't think that was specifically it, but maybe it was a culmination of things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that actually ended up weighing on the equity markets. But, you know, when you when you talk about like the tech sector and, you know, we, we I know last week we were talking about the NASDAQ. Uh, potential reversal in the NASDAQ 100. I, I know a lot of people have been discussing the tech dominance kind of reversing here. I, I think it's important to note, like you, you look at stocks like Apple, you know, following that that uh, that release at the 
what do you, vision, what's the, the vision uh, plus or vision pro yeah at the at the, at the tech conference are you gonna get one um, are you, you know, gonna are you gonna get one three and a half grand over it over bucks jesus it looks yeah, sexy though doesn't it? it looks bloody good <laughs> It, it does look cool. I watched a review on it. They say it's really heavy. Uh, my my younger son or my oldest son, he's had a couple of VR sets, and uh, and I and I enjoy it. I actually enjoy the the experience. But anyway, um, I, but I don't think it's going to be mainstream enough. Let's just put it that way. It's at at this price. It's and the first iteration is probably not going to be. If your kids you know, ask you s- for one for Christmas, you'd be like, "Oh, what have you done well for me this year?" <laughs> like, right, it's, right. It's, it's, a like, punch, we, it's a punchy request, isn't it? <laughs> can, can we sell your vehicle and maybe we'll do that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, but you know the, the the fact of the matter is is uh, we saw a big, really big reversal in Apple. And that's been one of the big leaders of the market. We saw the island reversal in, in, in video. We talked about it at the end of uh, the trade-off last week. Um, so this reversal that we're seeing in, in these in these tech uh, stocks, I think is worth noting. And I and I think it could be a catalyst from rate hikes. And and you, I think you're nailing it here. Wow. I think this the, was it. Go on. I was just going to say this was a big issue for tech stocks initially when you know the Fed started lifting off and other central banks as well. Well, I think the, I just want to go into CPI in a second. I'll let you introduce that, but I think you know the five-year real real rate or the Treasury inflation protected security is breaking out to the top side now. That has big implications. The real cost of capital is going up. Um, if we were to see a stronger dollar and a one-way trend in the dollar, I think that would cause big moves to the downside in, in, in risk. But we're not seeing that at the moment. Um, but I, I do think that you know, we want to keep, an int- uh, keep attention on to real rates and also the front end of the Treasury curve and, and, and various bond markets. Because <clears throat> you know, if this moves higher, I think risk is, and, and is going to be under pressure. We took profits that last week on you know, the long NASDAQ um, you know, shorts, uh, Russell shorts, um, you know, risk trade. And, and that was a good timing. Perfectly, and, uh, perfectly timed. Perfectly and I think there's there. I think there's more juice in that. So I'm a bit concerned about tech uh, at the moment. But yeah, we're watching that front end of the bond market there. All right. Well, let's let's turn our attention to. Um, I, I really wanted to talk about CPI and PPI. That's because we're going to be dealing with it early next week before we film. So by the time that you guys catch us, you guys and gals catch us, you're going to be catching us on the flip side of that data. Uh, and I and I want to ask, you know, how important to you or uh, forget that, Chris, scratch that producer. Can you just how how important it is? Is it to the Fed uh, and, and the FOMC and their their rate decision? You know, come on, come Wednesday, the CPI uh, and PPI data that's coming out. Um, I know we're going to talk about the Fed and we're going to talk about the FOMC here in a minute. But uh, as far as inflation. What are you looking for and what's going to what's how are you going to play it? I mean, the dollar is it's pretty well bid. And and uh, I mean, CPI, w- what are we looking for next Tuesday? We're looking for year over year, 4.1 percent coming off of from 4.9 percent. Uh, you know, we see all these disinflationary pre- pressures. How about how about if the number comes in in line? Are you going to be a, a dollar bull? I mean, I am. I'm I'm looking at the dollar and I'm just looking at it going I think there's a lot of different ways to play the dollar as a whole, whether it's short euros, buy dollar yen, which is holding well above 138. Like dollar yen, yen looks good. Yeah, I think I I actually think dollars look good almost across the board. And and the Aussie had a key reversal today. So when you're looking at you know the dollar as a whole, you know an inline number is going to spark some interest in I think dollar buyers and people that have been shorting the dollar. Plus you have you have PPI the next day. 
Um, so what are your thoughts as CPI and PPI as we go into next week? Well, I think the risks the risks are probably skewed to a stronger dollar. Um, and, and the reason being <clears throat> is that, you know, you've seen future vice chair Jefferson and Powell, the two most prominent people there, you know, Christopher Waller is, is very important as well. But the, the core of the Fed have basically pre-guided us that, that they want to pause. Um, we've given a very strong hawkish outlook. So this skip is, is very much there. So that feels like it's it's the consensus trade and therefore if we were to see a weak cpi number then it just reaffirms whatever the market's thinking that we're going to get this skip um and potentially you know a pause and a hawkish outlook uh, that said if we were to see <clears throat> you know a, a, a core uh, cpi number the market's looking for that to come down to 5.2% you know above 5.4 that would be a surprise and that would you know cause a big move up and say well actually do you know what there, there is a possibility now that the, the fed should hike along with what we've been seeing from the RBA and also from the Bank of Canada, they, they need to hike. So, yeah, I, I think I'll probably look to reduce any kind of dollar positions going into that. But if you were to say to me, what is the more meaningful outfit? Well, given that the core of the Fed have guided to it to a pause, um, I think that it becomes more problematic to the market if we were to see a very hot um, core CPI number. That said, I have no belief that that's going to come. I think probably the, the risk is that we get about 5.3%, which is what the Cleveland Fed now cast model is looking at at the moment. Um, but they're also, the, the now cast models are saying we're going to get 5.1% on the, the headline number there. So again, you know, will this affect the Fed's thinking? When the, when the vice chair and the chair have kind of pre-guided us, it becomes less of a market event. But yeah, I think um, let, let's keep an eye on that one. That, yeah, I want to buy dollars. And I want to buy bond dollars on any weakness. Dolly Yen looks like it wants to squeeze higher in the short term, in my opinion, here for sure. Um, I want to address a, a question that we got from Duncan um, actually on on Twitter, um, and he was talking about the the low volatility we've got in the VIX, um, and you know, we, you know, are we in sort of what was it, 2018 regime effectively, where we saw you know consistently low equity volatility. Uh, what's going to push us higher? I mean, this, this is a pertinent question that we're seeing. So we just want to look at the volatility side of things. This question from Duncan um, on Twitter, talking about the, the low VIX that we've got in the moment. This is the S&P volatility that we've got, 30-day volatility. Um, and, you know, have we seen situations like this before? What's going to cause us to move out? A very pertinent question, and I sort of extend this out to, to other asset classes, Blake, where we've got FX volatility, implied volatility, you know, 52-week lows, gold volatilities a little bit higher, but it's still pretty low. Yeah, bond volatility's come down. But you know, focus on the VIX because we're trading just about 13% on, 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 on the spot VIX at the moment. Now, for me, um, this, is a, this is a function um, that you know, the, the close-to-close moves in the S&P have been very, very low. Yeah, and that's what it is. So realised volatility, how markets are realising on a close-to-close basis has such a big importance on how expected movement is going to take place. 70% or so of the of the pricing and the variance that you get in that is, is dictated to by, what, by how markets are realising. So when you look at those close-to-close percentage changes being so low of late uh, in the S&P, that's what you know, the VIX to me is, is keying off. Um, what's more important for me as a trader and a day trader is the idea about how, you know, you can have a look on TradingView, for example, at the average daily range, because that range is ultimately what you're trading, not the close to close price, which, of course, is what volatility is calculated off. So, you know, what are you seeing in terms of the VIX at 13 percent? You know, are, are you expecting to see, you know, a vol breakout and, and ultimately you know, when does that come? What, what causes it? 
Well, I'm not sure what causes it. And, uh, and, and complacency is, is how I define the VIX right now. And, and really, you have extreme sentiment, extreme bearish sentiment in volatility. So that's kind of factoring into what I'm thinking as well. And we're obviously at levels we haven't seen in, in quite some time. So um, complacency also means that when, you, when volatility is down at these levels, you have to be extra careful with being long risk. It doesn't mean you should be short risk necessarily, but if, you, if you're if you long risk, like let's say you own the S&P or you own the NASDAQ 100, or you're selling dollars, you're, you're, you're buying some, you, you know, buying uh, copper or something like that. You have to be on, you know, guard and you have to keep your head on a swivel when volatility is at this complacent level. Um, I would expect that something is going to be a mover. And when you do see volatility, it's that day, you know, Chris, that day when VIX is up 10, 12%. If it sustains that type of gain in one day, then you know you're going to get a follow through the following day. What I, would say is that, I what I would say is that, you know, people are trading one day or zero day, day, day um, options now. You know, there's 40% of the flow. So people are unless we're inclined to use longer term volatility as a hedging mechanism so that's kind of the vix has it kind of lost its 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 power of predictive you know of, of, of volatility that it once did because so much volume now in the SIBO is is taking place in in much shorter term options i think that's an interesting conundrum but i mean the idea of hedge because you hedge while you can and it's cheap rather than the market forcing to you is is one factor um but yeah hedges cost money at the end of the day and 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 funds you know, who have seen this market grind higher and higher and higher, um, are reluctant to put on hedges because they 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 yeah they they cost money and they're expensive to do so, um, or a bit cheaper now because the VIX is where it is. But yeah, hedges cost money, and I think that's something that people need to remind themselves. But this idea of, of hedging, yeah, because you can and it's cheap at the moment, like at the moment, um, rather than the market forcing you to hedge yourself, is something that definitely stands true here. Yeah. All right. And, and 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 I and I will reiterate that VIX is is actually for me it's more of a tool in my toolbox. Multiple things that I'm looking at throughout the course of the day, and I use it to really as a confirmation tool, kind of what I how I'm going to position myself, especially if you get a wild move in the market. And it also you know can cue me into uh, taking positions off the table as well. Anyway, I know we need to move on. Uh, I think that was a great question from Duncan, and I got to mention this, uh, everybody, all of our listeners. If you do have any comments or you do have any questions, look, we took that one right from Twitter. Jump in the comments section down below. I know both uh, Westy and myself have been a little bit more adamant about being down there and jumping in the comments. So with that being said, let's move to our last topic, the FOMC, since we will be getting the uh, uh, literally seven days from this moment, uh, we'll already be past the FOMC. And so Chris, you know, I, I I keep thinking of uh, Michael Brown and uh, and and Ryan Littlestone's skip pause skip skip. Uh, that, that's all they had on all their topics on it. So so <laughs> I'm going to say hike or no hike, yes or no. Uh, I know Werp uh, the the, the um, on Bloomberg had the probabilities yesterday at around 24 25 percent. I don't know where you see it right now, but with central banks like the RBA. And the Bank of Canada already, you know, already raising rates. They're, they've already paused and they're raising rates again. You know, does that give? Does that open the door for the Fed uh, and Chairman Powell to say, you know, we really need to do another quarter percent? You know, does this open that help open the door for them 
to take action if they really need to. It's kind of it's kind of like, you know, the door is ajar, so why not? Why not stick our foot through it? But I don't know if it's going to be those central banks necessarily. Um, if, you know, if, if we see the, the path of inflation that's finally going to reach the Fed's target over the course of the remainder of this year. But um, I, I want to look ahead to the Fed and ask you your opinion on how you're seeing the Fed and what you think they're going to do well, um, mate, they, next week. They <clears throat> take headline inflation. You know, we're, we're, we're at 4.9% or so at the moment, aren't we? Um, so we're expecting that to come down to, say, 4.2%. I mean, 42 from where we've been on headline inflation, 10% or so, is a massive drop. <laughs> I mean, it is. the Fed will be sitting there going, yeah, look, things are moving in the right direction if we get a number like that. And I know core's moving at a slightly slower pace, but it's still coming down. And, you know, the Fed will be sitting there, I think, thinking, you know, Powell will be thinking, I'm doing a pretty good job here. You know, I, I, I've got my critics out there. Of course he has. And maybe I had a hand in hand in creating those inflation, but I'm doing, it's going in the right direction. And it's and it's coming down at a good clip. So I think we can afford to, 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 to go on a pause. But what we can't do is afford to let the market get into a euphoric state thinking that rate hikes are completely over. Um, so I think he, he can definitely afford um, uh, to, to leave rates on hold, but they'll they'll make sure that the market is is, is very much of the belief that their, their firm bias is to hike at some other meeting. So the market's pricing now. We've got nine basis points of hikes. So if you divide that by 25, that gives you a probability. I'm not going to do the math right now, um, but that's where you are. Um, and so the other point then is is what they're going to be guiding for in the dot plot projection. You know, at the moment, the the Fed funds is, is above their dot plot projection. So will they? They're going to have to move their their dot plots up for this year. Um, they're going to look at their economic projections on, and, and again, this is going to be something we're going to be looking at. So this is the quarterly number. This is a really important central bank meeting. I think the market yeah. is going into it with probably low volatility relative to other Fed meetings, but. Um, yeah, I think this for me, given the trajectory of inflation and expected inflation, survey-based inflation, I think that they, 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 yeah, Powell will be thinking that he's done a pretty good job in getting it down there, and I think he can afford himself just a little bit of time now just to to look at the lag effects that play for him. So I'm I'm in the uh, in the pause camp for for my sins. I'm sure there'd be people out there who say, Chris, what are you talking about? Tell us why you think that is. But I think yeah, very much in the in the pause camp. You quickly, Blake, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I know real quick, just uh, as far as um, the dot plots go, I mean, it, how's the market going to grapple with the idea since they, they are projecting rate cuts eventually uh, as we as we go into, you know, the later into this year, into 2024? How about if the market has to adjust that? I mean, do equities do equities take notice of the well, dot if they plots? Lift their, if they lift their dot plots up for next year, then they're, they're going to do it for this year. Then they're still going to be projecting rate cuts. And I think the market's pretty comfortable with rate cuts next year. What they're not comfortable with is, is, is rate cuts this year. They ain't going to happen. There's not going to be rate cuts this year in the US. And and so I think the dot plots will tell you that there's going to be rate cuts next year as as demand falls and inflation comes back to closer towards target. But it's a slow grind. Um, but yeah, they can afford in 2024, in my opinion, if, if, if there is, even if there is a soft landing, they can afford um, to bring the Fed funds rate debt to a more neutral setting and away from this this highly restrictive setting that they've got at the moment. Um, those rate cuts doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're fighting a, you know, a strong recession or anything, but they, they can take the foot off the pedal as we get closer towards the target and allow it much more neutral setting. So that's where I'm sitting on that. Okay. All right. You know, we could go on and on and on. We could, mate. I know we, we, could, we could, we could. We could. All right. Let's go to the setups that are front of mind. Let's go to that's the setup.
Right, I'm going to talk about gold because we obviously see a lot of gold, gold flow. It's pro- arguably the, the, the most traded product here at Pepperstone. Um, but really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone wow. loves it, to be honest. It's, it's, it's a non-geographical situation, whether you've got clients in APAC or in Australia, in Europe. In Europe. I mean, people people love trading gold, good liquidity, you know, good spreads. Um, yeah, it's something that, that, that is um, you know, certainly ingrained in our DNA. But the... Um, yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, you've got real rates now in the US, which are breaking out. That's that's something that the correlation with gold comes and goes. Um, but I think we're starting to see it pick up a little bit right now. So obviously gold with no yield at all. Um, uh, yeah, when, when when real rates are moving up or the, the inflation adjusted, um, or gold, uh, sorry, bonds adjust, uh, adjusted for expected inflation, you know, the, the real returns are going up. Obviously, there's there's no less reason to own gold in that situation, and obviously we we quite like the dollar. So we're right at this <clears throat> this this key support level around 1938. Um, in my we've seen a, a bearish outside day reversal playing through at these levels as well. So you know, break through this, I think we get we, we get a test of that 61.8 percent retracement of the of that move up that we saw between March and May. Um, but yeah, we're right on that support level. I, I think we probably break this. How, how do you how do you see this, Blake? You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. I think the 1930 level is really big. That's uh, you say 1938, depending right. on what, you know, CFD or you, you can just do the do the math just or just look at the chart. It's that horizontal support. <laughs> Very big there. But but but, you know, and, and again, some people are trading front month futures, you know, whatever, whatever instrument you're playing. Um, the one thing I do want to point out is if you take the high from um, the, the, the high, I have to go look at my chart here. From March of 2022, and the one line that you don't have that I'm very, very much or very closely watching, you connect that high to the high on February 1st of 2023 of this year. Um, Then if you break through 1930, 1935, or 1938, then the next place that you're going to see is that that broken trend line. It comes in around 1915. And I just want to point that out because it is a level that even though I'm very, very much concerned with the same level you're looking at, I just want to look one lower level just in case you get a reaction. Do you know, I, there, I, I, I put the uh, 200 day moving average because you're always having to go at my charts and saying I leave things off. Yeah. And I, put, I chucked on the 200 day moving average just and, and there's still, it's, st- it's still wrong. It still can't please you, Blake. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually quite funny. All right. Well, let's move next, next setup. It is funny. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Um, and and this is Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin. I, I remember reading this one uh, blogger and what he had to say about Bitcoin years ago. And he's like, Bitcoin is a financial asset that's now woven into the fabric of the financial markets, which, you know, I, I, I'm actually a pretty firm believer that Bitcoin's not really going anywhere from a product standpoint. So it's going to be around and be traded. However, I think it's a good trading vehicle. And you'll notice that that low that was that was hit just two days ago when the SEC hit Coinbase and, you know, uh, and, and the other, you know, crypto Binance or whoever it was that we tagged we tagged twenty five thousand three hundred. And then we bounced up aggressively right into channel resistance. Well, that's also a 38% retracement. That's been a big, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked about the $25,000 level uh, over the course of the last couple of years, probably as much as you have and your staff. Mate, but don't the do it at home. Matter is, don't sit around the dinner table. Yeah. Like, you've got to find your audience. Your wife, even knows about your wife knows that price. Anyway, I'm just watching a break below that price. It takes us down towards the 200-day moving average that Chris put on his charts today. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, Chris, yeah. what do you think of Bitcoin? 
Uh, well, I could, yeah, I mean, I think now that the AI has been all the rage and AI is here to stay, you know, this is this AI is, um, is, is, is not a bubble, in my opinion. It's, 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 you know, it's something that, that's going to completely wave into the fabric. It's something that's going to stay with us for a while. But yeah, in terms of Bitcoin, I mean, it's not going anywhere. You know, there's, there's concerns around the platforms, as we've seen. But yeah, I just think it trades so well technically it respects levels it bounces off you know retracement levels it it does it pretty better than most markets if not if not all markets to be honest so you know when you're looking at the technicals around bitcoin it's it's one that the scalpers can look at you know look at you know, key levels fibonacci levels or you know big horizontal resistance levels and, and work off those levels it's 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 a beautiful market to trade i reckon um especially when it gets trending it just goes and goes and goes but you know it also just respects levels so i love it as a trading vehicle i think it's fantastic um but yeah, where does it go from here? You know, I feel I feel like that channel's got to be respected. I'll be selling strength at the moment, and that sort of co-mingles with with my view on gold. Now I know that gold and and, and Bitcoin are, you know, they, they the, the relationship comes and goes, and, and real rates and the dollar obviously has a factor. But yeah, I think that that, that my view on uh, that we're going to get a downside break in gold. I think it's probably true that yeah, we probably like to see more downside risks in, in in crypto or Bitcoin at the moment. So we'll have to see there. Interesting one. I want to go to Aussie Swiss. Um, because, yeah, talking about breakouts, love a bit of breakouts. Um, yeah, we've seen some downside in the Aussie overnight, but um, one one chart that's looking quite ominously poised, there's no trade for me right now, uh, is Aussie Swiss. We've got a beautiful double bottom. Uh, you can see the neckline of that double bottom just being tested at the moment. We've had the downtrend where we've seen that sort of series of lower lows and lower highs being been taking out. Um, Blake's 200-day moving average offers uh, some some upside We've just above the uh, double bottom target. Um, but fundamentally, you know, what's interesting is obviously we've seen the RBA swing into a, to a, a consistently hawkish bias and, and giving us the view that they're going to do more, which would obviously take a positive view on the Aussie in that situation. But what's also interesting, Blake, if I have a look at the swaps market for it and what's priced in terms of rates for two years' time... Um, at the end of April, we had 130 basis points of cuts being priced in Australia. That now stands at zero. So over the last month, we've now seen 130. That is one of the most aggressive repricing in G10 that we've seen. And it completely warrants this outperformance we've seen the Australian dollar. You know, obviously, China's in a slightly better spot. We've seen a 16%, 17% rally in iron ore futures from that in, in recent times. Crude, sorry, copper's moved up to about 377 from 355. The Hang Seng's had a bit of a rally. It's sort of petering out a little bit. All these factors are very supportive of the Australian dollar. Um, but we need this to, to work. And I've chosen the Swiss because, you know, I think it's one that, that, that needs to complete. But I, I like it. And I, and I think if we see a daily close above that that resistance level, I think it can kick. How are you playing this? Well, I'm not playing it, but I will tell you, I, I, I had my eye on the Euro Swiss. That was almost one of my setups today. Dollar Swiss also was in the Dollar running. Dollar Swiss looks good. Um, yeah. I, I like Swiss. I like Swiss short right now. And I, I've kind of liked it for the last couple of weeks. And I've played it a little bit on the on the uh, short side. Actually, I do have. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I do have some short Swiss exposure. Um, uh, but the Aussie Swiss, I mean, after the RBA this week, and as you pointed out, it's it's pretty clear on a breakout. And it and and, and will it have? Will it be all Aussie dollar doing the, the the work? No, I think it could be the Swiss doing the doing some of the work as well and pulling yeah. some of the load. I'll tell you what. Just yeah, going so. back to Duncan's question about vol. Uh, volatility and vol means volatility not volume but when we talk about Duncan's question around volatility if we were to see 
um, yeah, if we were to see the VIX rising, and, and obviously that correlates well nicely with, with FX vol and various factors, then yeah, I think the, the yen still, you, you can go and marry up those the battle of the safe haven currencies. I think the Swiss un- underperforms against the yen. If we see the VIX pushing higher, I think play it from an FX perspective. I like being short the Swiss here against the yen. I think that could be quite an interesting trade if we were to see vols pushing higher there. I like what I'm hearing from you, Chris. Good man. No comment. All right. uh, Let's move it to the last setup, which is copper. And uh, this is called the simple setup. There it is. All right. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on copper here? I'm just kidding. Joking. It's it's simple. Let me let let me like lay it out for you. We just rallied and stalled and stopped at the 200 day moving average. The 200-day moving average also coincides with the 38% retracement, which is at 378. Could you not? Could you not put like your your 200-day moving average and your horizontal different colors, mate? Because it makes no, it very I hard know, to but see. I'm making a point. They look all the same because they're right at the same spot. Previous support acting as current resistance, right at 380. Look, that's your line in the sand, guys. Above 380, it's bullish. Below 380, be on the short side. You know your risk. Play around the levels. Chris, it's super simple. Does that, does that mean it's going to appeal to me? Is that why it's going to appeal yeah, to me? Yeah, thanks. Anybody can do it. Right. You can do it. Anybody can do it. No, no I don't Chris, know. I mean, I think this is make or break, isn't it? So the, yeah. the, the thing is, is China, right? They say you've had a nice reprieve. Have you seen with the Hang Seng? Have you seen with Dalian or all these factors? They've all, they've all rallied in unison because the market had got oversold because of a deteriorating China. Um, and then and a fizzling out of the reopening trade, but we've now seen the the, the Chinese authorities stepping in and and and, and coming out with stimula- uh, stimulatory situations, yeah, measures to to improve the consumption of EVs. We've seen you know various targeted measures around property sales, make you know reducing down payments, cutting agents' fees. Yeah, they're they're trying to support the housing market because yeah, obviously that is the biggest feedback loop into people's perception of wealth in China and social security and social well being. Um, but it's not exactly emphatic. You know, what we've seen is very targeted. Um, what we want is a reserve ratio requirement cut. We've, heard, we've seen deposit cuts you know, from the banks, but it's not it's not overly stimulated. So again, the, the Chinese authorities are coming out. They are doing very targeted stimulus at the moment, but it's kind of a, a bit of a, it's not really what, the, it's not blown the market away after we've seen that rally. So yeah, we're going to need to see something a little bit more. Um, I think China's the, the, the key there. We're going to watch that data flow as we go into the May series there. If, if, the, if the data continues to underwhelm, uh, the market's going to expect more. And I think that's where your copper move comes from as well. So that's an interesting one. Anyway, good uh, good chart. Nice and simple. Um, appeals to my yeah, keep it simple, stupid mentality, which is not a bad thing at the end of the day. Kiss is always a, a no. great way to look in trading. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go to play of the day and uh, let's mix it up. Well, you know, I come out with these simple trade <laughs> chart situations, Blake, but I come out with the exotic player of the days, and uh, they've done all right. Euromex last week was uh, was was a good trade, and it's continued to work quite nicely. I like the carry. Uh, we've been playing the uh, the long short strategies in the equity indices, doing very very nicely. And the one I want to look at today uh, is a reversal, actually, of, of some of the ones we've done quite well on. Um, and, and what we've got here is is the US 2000 or the Russell 2000 small cap index heavily weighted towards regional banks in the US, uh, and we've divided that by the Nasdaq 100. Obviously, we've seen the um, yeah for people go and pull, pull up a daily chart of the Nas 100. You can see that bearish outside day reversal that needs to kick now. If we see a lower low, that would confirm after the strong rally that we've seen throughout this year that perhaps the sellers have taken some control and perhaps you know it's, it's going to start consolidating if not move to more to the downside as people take profits. A lot of that's going to be dictated 
to by the rate cycle? Are we in a new rate cycle? Are we going to see higher bond yields, which makes these cash flows of, the, of these high tech businesses you know, coming under pressure? Are people going to start jumping ship a little bit there? But what we can see there is, 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 the, the, is the Russell 2000 arguably having a significant outperformance after you know, a long, long period of underperformance. Has this got more legs? I think it has. Um, so I like being long the Russell 2000 here and short the NASDAQ. It's an aggressive trade because everyone loves the NASDAQ, but everyone loves the NASDAQ for a reason. And I think there's a lot of money that can come out in the short term. Not giving up on tech longer term. I still think it's fantastic. I think the AI scene is real. Uh, but I think as a trade, uh, I think there's more uh, some more short term outperformance uh, from the Russell relative to the NASDAQ. So I'm playing that uh, as a ratio trade oh. there. Awesome, Chris. Thank, thank you so much. And, I, and by the way, I have to I have to hand it to you. Those plays have been awesome, exotic, and not so simple. <laughs> All right, let's 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 go into something that you want to talk about aggressive. Let's go into my play of the day, and this is literally my play of the day over the next within twenty four hours. I, I I was talking to our forex analytics community about this. It's a trade that I've, I'm actually I have live orders out. I'm not short. But I am looking to short, and I'm actually looking to short the guppy, the guppy at that rising trend line or the 161% extension just above 172. Reason why divergent relative strength. I think the yen is going to start to show some signs of life with the reversal that we've seen in the Nikkei. I think the Nikkei has got a few days of of air coming out of it. I think the yen is going to strengthen on the back of that. I think the pound looks a little heavy. Uh, well, range bound, I think it could trade back down to support with the dollar strength. So you put all that together, you got the pound yen. Notice the divergent relative strength on the breakout ever since the you know the end of May. So the last two two weeks of, of a grind higher, relative strength is completely diverged. And I think that's going to allow us for a move, you know, possibly de- back down to uh, 170, 172. By the way, I'm not sure if I said 172. I'm, I just want to say I have an order out for the next 24 hours short at 175 that's what i meant to say targeting around 172. do your um the forex analytics community sit there and go blake you're just making up words with the with the guppy like i did once or are they actually saying yeah we've all heard about that the guppy is real chris it's a real (laughs) thing it's a thing it's always it's always been a thing yeah and at least for us in america just on uh, scottsdale Yeah, maybe maybe down my street. Yeah. That's anyway, it. the rest that's all we've got time for today. Some great setups there from Blake. Some some overly simple ones from myself. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week for for more of the trade off. Hit the like button if you stayed watching this far. We appreciate that. And obviously, if you, if you can leave a comment as well, Blake and I get to it as soon as we can. We appreciate that as well. So thanks very much. We'll see you next week. <laughs>